Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. As you know, if you're a regular listener, you know we are ad-free, sponsor-free and we rely on you to keep the show on the road. The best way to do that is clicking the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It's in the podcast you're listening to right now. All we're asking you to do is click on the link, have a look through and see if there's an option that suits your budget. We appreciate every cent we get and it helps us keep these mics on and conversations going. And you get lots of extras for that, including our patron exclusives, access to our regular Sunday shows and the podcast as quickly as I can turn them around, including conversations we had recently with Dr. John Bissett, Dan Murray from the Business Post, and Hannah McCarthy joined us from the West Bank to discuss the protests, the anti-government protests in Israel, and the bloodiest start to a year in terms of Palestinian deaths since the occupation began. All of those are available right now on that Patreon feed, so just try for a month, that's all we're asking. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and I've been looking forward to this, even though, Martin, you wouldn't have a clue what we're about to talk about, would you? Uh, well, I drove in from the sticks, Tony, for the first time in ages I've been in the studio. And honestly, you haven't tidied the place up a bit. <laughs> uh, look, we, we, we are, um, we, I just want, before we kick off, the, the topic today is going to be a lot about homelessness, about about these these issues. But I think I want, it's only important that we lead off and say the government are about to lift the eviction ban. We've seen statistics, I think, today of over four thousand people since the Evic- put, evictions, evictions, eviction notices that yeah. were that were given to people that are currently sitting with some form of uh, notice to quit letter. And if you're sitting with a notice to quit letter, that means you're no more than six months away from homelessness. It is crazy that this is the situation that we live in, and it's just kind of disheartening that we're now back having this conversation coming out. And I think, for one, that the state of the government have made a big mistake here. I think the eviction ban should be at least, if they're not going to extend it in, in its full capacity, extend it in some way that there's no uh, fault. Uh, listen, 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 this it's very basic. If people are paying their rent, you shouldn't be able to evict them. It's that simple. It's, you mean, why would you evict people who are paying their rent? It's nonsense. Yeah, no, I, look, um, so that brings us to our topic for today. And listeners would have heard a few, only a few months ago, the great success, and I mean this, the great success of the uh, the film uh, North Circular. And the, the, the man behind that, Luke McManus, is back with us to talk about new, another project he's working on now. Luke, first and foremost, before we start... <coughs> Congratulations, North Circular has been a huge, huge, huge success. You must be thrilled, like you're globetrotting now. I'm delighted. No, it's been amazing. I think the probably the best thing about it has been that uh, it's been in the cinema for so long. Like, it was on in the lighthouse last week, and it was released on the second I remember you saying, we've done two weeks, Tony. And now well, look at you now, doing three months. It was ter- I think that was week 12, yeah. And, and, and the idea of people coming back to the cinema, because we all lived through COVID and we've lived through the rise of streamers in the last five years. And this idea got put around that films were just content. And you look at them on your phone, you look at them on streaming, it's all the same as looking at the cinema. And I think people are starting to realise it's not. Like, like the thing I got out of watching my own film over and over again in the cinema, I've seen it 18 times in the cinema, and which is crazy. But what you actually start doing is listening to the audience. And you realise cinema is about the audience. Mm. It's about that experience of being with other people and going on that journey with them and laughing with them or falling silent with them or cheering with them or clapping with them. And there's an authenticity to that and there's a, there's a sort of warmth to that. It nourishes you in a way that Netflix never will. 
You know, and it's funny. There's things happening. I see it out there. The League of Ireland has got record attendances. Mm. So the way I look at it is indie filmmakers like me are the League of Ireland and Netflix is the Premier League, you know? And yeah. people are getting fed up of that Premier League experience. It's so driven by money. It's lacking an authenticity. I have right? to say, I loved, I loved North Central Road. And, and somebody who lived up, I lived on Oxman Town Road. Ah, nice. I walked down near the Red Parrot on the North Circle Road, 511 North Circle Road. So my dad was working. I worked there with my dad. <laughs> so for me, it was lovely to see it. And I've known the North of any road in Dublin. I've known the North Circular probably better than any other road in Dublin that I've been on. You know, I've lived on a couple of spots along the North Circle. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much because we talked no, about it we, before, we, but, we, the, but just the one thing about it is everyone's been there. Yeah. Everyone's been to a match in Croke Park. Everyone's been to the Phoenix Park. Everyone from all around the country. So, the reason, that was the reason that, one of the reasons I was drawn to it is that everyone seems to have connections. Yeah, well, I just, I will, we'll, we'll move on. I will say, though, that you did make the League of Ireland point, and I thank you for not mentioning the, the, the Bose words, so it's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we also are joined by, and this is genuinely, folks, you're going to love this. This is Tommy KD, and Tommy is uh, one of the contributors to the the, the new series, uh, Stories from the Street, which Luke is putting, is, is the director and, and, and writer for, which is now... I mean, we've had a sneak peek. We've seen the, the, the final episode that goes out on Monday. And, uh, and Tommy, you, mm. uh, you play a big role in it. Thanks so much for coming in and talking yeah, to us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, stories from the streets. I'd say you've more than a few, Tommy. I do, yeah. I was 15 years homeless on the streets in and out of hostels and tents and squats and what have you. And um, I got my own apartment there uh, four years ago. And it's uh, it's like supported housing. It's called Paddy McGrath housing, and I I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit I I was diagnosed HIV positive in 2010, mm. and these apartments are for people that are living with HIV. So we we've got a great support network. The apartments are beautiful, and I'm lucky. I pay 60 euros a week rent. Covers me electric, covers the rent, it covers the heating. So, and it's in the city centre where I, I do me busking, mm. and that's um I I struggled with addiction for years, but um me me talent that I have for, for rapping and acting and the arts, yeah, that that's helped me mm. to overcome that. You know, tell us yeah. what's it like? We'll say. Everybody thinks about homelessness and it's the yeah. lack of security and it's the lack of knowing where you're going to sleep that yeah. night and the, the precarity of it. What difference does it make if you're Oh, it's, I, I still pinch myself, you know what I mean? Like, it's just being able to close the door behind you and knowing that that's your safe sanctuary and you don't hey. have to worry about people uh, robbing your runners or robbing your pockets or, you know, staff coming in and checking on you or, you know, stuff like that. Do you feel more part of society? I do, yeah. Because um, there is that stigma with homeless people, you know, that they're all fucking lowlifes and, you know, degenerates and what have you. But it, they're still human at the end Absolutely. of the day. But it's now, it's not, you'd be surprised how many people are ending up in the homeless homelessness nowadays unfortunately like, unfortunately yeah. we, we wouldn't be surprised now yeah, it's not just, just it's not just alcoholics and drug addicts it's yeah. 
it's decent working class people as well and people that may have lost their jobs and they had their home on the strength of their job so they lose the mortgage and they get kicked out there's whole families living in hotel rooms you know what I mean there's 3,000 Irish kids and then when you've got people like Leo Varactor saying oh why don't you ask your mommy for a lend of 80 grand for a deposit for a house that just goes to show how out of touch with working class people these people are. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, you say working class, but unless you are earning the wedge of a TD these days, you are working exactly. class. Exactly. You know, I mean, like, you've Rent, got to... Rents are 2,600. Yeah, yeah. Richard Boy Barrett said it, said that in the doll. He said, like, you, you guys are expecting people to earn a hundred grand a year. To afford these houses, like these, they're three, four, five hundred thousand. Like, unless you win the lotto or you're, as you said, a TD, you're not going to afford them. Luke, just on the on the actual series itself, um, Tommy just sort of picked on it. I, like there are, there was one man I remember saying to Martin when we were talking about it, watching it, saying, "Guy, homeless, going into work as a as a forklift driver." Yeah, you know, um, and then another one is obviously very striking. Sorry, but sorry for giving spoilers here, folks. But you know, with the phrase is said, there's a guy working in a homeless service who can't afford to live in Dublin. Yeah, that's right. One of our workers from Focus Coffee Shop, which is a cafe in Temple Bar, there that Dublin people would be very familiar with, yep. with the IFI. But uh, great place, great spot. Yeah. But Stephen, just young lad from Cabra, him and the missus working, and they can't afford anywhere to live, and he, he emigrates to Australia and. I think we're living, we're starting to live in an almost apartheid society where if you have secure housing, you're on one side of the line. Mm. But the amount of people who don't have secure housing or affordable housing who are on the other side of the line just keeps on growing. Mm. And the psychological damage of that uncertainty and that unaffordability and it's, 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 you can't overestimate how poisonous this is for our society. Mm. And it's just weird. I mean, I'm 50 now. I grew up in a country where I had no expectation of ever finding work, even though I was from a very privileged background. I expected to emigrate. And then by the time I left college, there was jobs. And the employment thing was always the huge issue in Ireland. And it's weird how we've managed to crack that. It's like whack-a-mole. You you crack the unemployment (laughs) thing and then suddenly no one can afford to live here. Yeah, but do you not... For me, you know, you stand back from the picture bit and you look at it. We've had a country that's designed, policy is maintained around having a high level of emigration. We have. We've we've had it historically. What's happened now is that for the last... For the last two decades, there's been jobs. We haven't changed the housing policy to cope with the fact that people aren't emigrating at a massive rate. So I think the only solution, or the only solution this government has ever had on the cards is, I can emigrate, but, get out. But, yeah. but we look at the, go back to the show, if you don't mind, first of all. I, do, I don't mind at all, actually. No, but that's <laughs> what I mean. Really, 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 really great narration by Gemma Dunleavy, by the way. She's just, she's great. She's great in everything, isn't she? Uh, she's, yeah, no, she's like, she's incredible. She excels in anything she puts her hands on, basically. Yeah, no, I hate those talented people that are like. I'm looking, I'm looking at Tommy because Tommy, like, you know, you, when when Luke said, you know, mm. you might be interested, we went down the rabbit hole of listening to your uh, to your YouTube channel stuff, you know, right. um, and it, I, 
it's very clear where you get your uh, source material. Yeah, well, it's like I was saying, um, it's it's social commentary. Yeah. So it's like there are stories from the streets, you know, um, and I just sing about like my own life experiences and what I see going on. You know, hmm. and uh, I'm lucky that I have a talent to do that. I was a blessing. There's a great scene again, Luke. Don't don't be upset at me, but there's a great mm. scene when you're with uh, Chris and you're you're vibing. Yeah, uh, that's what it is, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. just the two. Uh, like, Chris she, is a wonderful person. I, I love I, Chris. Yeah. I, I coincidentally met her only a couple of weeks ago for the first time, yeah. and I related to something else. And um, and yeah, she is. So it was yeah. uh, that. As soon as I turned on things, I met you know. But <laughs> anyway, t- like. Yeah. Do you, do you find when you're doing that though, the, the creative side of it, like it is, was, especially in, like to, to do it on camera? Yeah. Know? It does when, it, like, when you're bouncing off someone else that's creative, you mm. know, then the, the, the creative juices start flowing, you know, it goes to and fro. Yeah. It's like when you're on stage and if you're, if you grew up on stage and you're all miserable, you know, the, the crowd are going to feed off that. If you grow up and you're all positive and happy yeah. and enjoying it, the crowd are gonna enjoy it, you know. So kind of the same kind of thing. I, I I'm gonna I have to I have to very positive here, and unfortunately, it's not a very it's not an overly positive show, uh, Luke. There's a lot of hard stories and sad moments. Mm-hmm. You're talking to the people who are on the street sleeping in tents. Young woman, 22 years of age, pregnant. Yeah, you know. Um, People. My original idea was going to be a comedy. <laughs> oh, God. That's how I pitched it. I was like, it's going to be like the real life out of a boy. Well, there is know? a fucking joke. <laughs> you know? A right. joke. He's right, yeah. But no, there's a, there's a few funny bits in it. I yeah. mean, I think like, yeah, it is a tough story. It's a tough world. But what we wanted to do was reflect the human experience in its complexity because mm. any person, even if they're in a very tough situation, is going to find moments of levity, moments of brotherhood or camaraderie. Mm. They're going to have romances. They're going to have things they like to eat, you know, music they like to listen to, creativity mm. they want to engage in, you know. And I think one of the problems that there's been around homelessness and rough sleep, and we touch on this in the first episode, is it's a very dehumanizing uh, yeah. place to be for people. Yeah. And in the very start of episode one, there was this fascinating study that I read. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about it briefly, where a psychiatrist uh, hooked people up to an MRI machine to see, and, and, and basically looked at their empathetic response to imagery and showed a series of people, and you could see the empathy in the frontal lobes of the brain firing, and then showed them objects. Uh, and obviously you don't have an empathetic response to an object. But then they show a homeless person asleep about And the human mind responded as if to Oh, wow, and and the conclusion they reached, which I thought was really interesting, is that it wasn't out of kind of cruelty or a lack of empathy. What it was was people just shutting down their empathy because they were afraid of distressing themselves. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to feel empathy for someone like that because it's just mm-hmm. going to hurt you. You know, yeah. so it's a human reflex. But the problem with that is, these are people. You are meant to have empathy. For yeah. And if you don't have empathy from a human, you can end up treating them very badly. You know? So part of the idea of the show was to go, these are humans, and let's just be part of their human world, mm-hmm. and give them the triumphs as well as the disasters that we all experience. Well, part of it too is that they, they 
demographic of people who are homeless has changed over, over the last 20 years. You know, 20 years ago, predominantly homeless men with addiction problems. Now, it's mainly children are the big number of homeless. They're the big number of homeless. 3,000. Three and a half thousand children. So, the demographic of people who has changed. So, that lack of empathy, I think, stemmed from a time where you know, homeless people were predominantly well, Martin, seen as... We always have that phrase in Ireland that the poor are given, guilty of poverty. Yeah, yeah. So if you wanted to condemn someone for being homeless, you could you could create that social construct of saying that they were, there was a flaw. They had done this to themselves. Mm. So, and and, I, and I'm sorry, you now Tommy, to come back to you on this, but no. like when you first, there's a, there's a line where you say that the, the, in one of your songs, you say, the night your mother threw you out. Yeah. So... I'm assuming she didn't just decide on the wind. No, throw no, you out. I don't. I, I don't think they throw you out like you know to be bad. I think it's because they love you so much. They can't bear to see you putting yourself through what you're putting yourself through. They can't take it anymore, and that's why they want you to leave. It's nothing to do with like you know. Um, there's no badness in it. Oh, I, I, your parents love you. It's unconditional love. Oh, there's a moment in the film. But they're watching you deteriorate in front of their eyes. Yeah. Uh, to a point where they just, they can't take it anymore. You know, whereas I was like, I was stealing from the family home, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was bringing police to the door. I was causing all sorts of disruption to the, to the home. Just couldn't take it anymore, you know? And and, and then there's a, still a moment in the sugar club. Mm. When, uh, yeah, well, that's, I'm saying, like, I never grew up with my biological mother. Yeah. Like, my mother who reared me was my great auntie. Mm. And it was her that I gave all the grief to. Yeah. Uh, my biological mother is only back in my life the last year, mm. you know. So, which is a nice thing as well, you oh, know. Uh, my mother who raised me is uh, dead. She passed away. Tell her what happened. How did you meet your mother? Oh, I was on O'Connell Street busking. Right. Uh, she came up and she handed me 70 euros. I was like, that's very kind of you. That's very much. <laughs> And she says, do you know who I am? I was like, no, I'm your mother. And I had to look again. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah <we're cool." laughs> because she had, she had like long brown hair. Yeah. And she dyed it blonde. And she'd lost a bit of weight over the years. I hadn't seen her since the 80s. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so. Um, was she young when she had you? She was 19. She was. Yeah, she, she was young. Yeah. And, um. Yeah, but she did what she thought was best at the time, yeah. you know, so I don't hold that against her. Luke, when, when you're making that film and you're hearing the, that telephone call saying, Mom, you are coming, aren't you? Mm. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd have lumped my throat, mate. <laughs> it's funny because I remember shooting that day and documentaries are weird, like you're, you're just shooting everything that comes and we're thinking, well, maybe <laughs> the mum thing will be a story, maybe it won't. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then yeah. that's why you have an editor, you this amazing woman in Emerald Cleary, I call her the human Xanax. You walk into a room with her and you're all stressed because you're, ah, and she's just like, it's all fine, it's all good. Yeah. She was like, I think this is a really lovely little story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Dublin people are very resilient, though. Like, I did a thing called Raids, yeah. Recovery Through Art, Drama and Education. And we did a thing about the 1913 lockout. And these people lived in proper squalor. You know, you're talking like families of eight and nine in an, in one room tenements, you know, and they three buckets like one to piss, one to shit, and one to, for your water. Mm. And everything was done on the fire. 
but they, they got through it, you know what I mean? And I think we kind of inherited that, you know, that backbone. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you have to have a backbone on the street. If you're any way vulnerable, like mental health ways, yeah, you're just going to curl up and die. You have to have a, a resilience. Mm. And I think us Dubliners, we do. I say I disagree with you. I'd say Northsiders too. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no. Well, you see, there's, you, you say yeah, that. There's working class communities. You also say that, right? There's, there's posh parts of the Northside as well. You know, you've got like Swords, you've got Donna well, yeah, like you've got Artane, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you've got like, you've got rough sides of the South Side as well, you know? You do, um, you do. How did the two of you get on to kind of the inter, like music? filmmaking you both had to do a bit of a crossover so how, how did that work for you just just did just it's funny i was i was out. filming outside focus coffee shop i oh. saw this lad sitting with pa and started rapping and he started singing the song of the homeless yeah which yeah. is literally what my show was about yeah yeah, yeah. literally the same thing it's, 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 and look, I was at, like, look at me yeah. like a like a play like a gla- like a Glass window, is that what I What was it, purely accidental? Yeah, two music if I made a glass. Yeah, 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 exactly, right? And I was there listening to it, and then he was outside the Temple Bar, and then this Scottish fella came out of the Temple Bar. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. And he was like, I'm trying to do a gig in here, and you're in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, this is brilliant. I didn't have the, had the camera in the Got up in my face, he did, and I was like, hang on a minute. Like, proper street confrontation. Yeah. There's nothing better, is there? The yeah. two people having a row in the street. Yeah. Like, it's just gold. You know, I remember one time yeah. I found my Rob bike yeah. inside a bike shop in Summerhill, and I said to your man, I'm interested in this bike, and he unlocks it, and I got on it, I said, I'm fucking interested because it's mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I go to cycle off. He was a young lad. He gave me 40, gave me 40 quid for that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we started having a pushing match over yeah, the bike. Yeah. Wow. And just crowd gathers instantly because there's a middle-aged man and a teenager having a stumble wow. row over a bike. It's just mm. gold. It just catches right. Anyway, yeah. when I heard the song lyrics, Homeless Human 2, I was like, right, this fella, got to have a chat with this fella. Yeah. And um, I rang him up and I said, look, I'm sorry I haven't called you in a couple of days. Uh, been really stressed, really busy. But Tommy just goes, I do mindfulness, was, it helps me immensely, yeah. You didn't get to mindfulness though, when you, like uh, overnight. No, no, I didn't. So, no. so, because I saw there's an interaction, lovely interaction with you with the nurse. Yeah. And she talked about the, 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 um, the, the, you're talking to her, correct? Giving her like I love this stuff. You write, you draw, and, and yeah, you know, she's and, a great artist, Geisha. Yeah, yeah. yeah but lovely person. She did think she's and she's calling you Tomo. Yeah, and, and I was like, I was like, oh Jesus, that's there's there's a uh, there's warmth, there's yeah, love. Yeah, want the, that's the best yeah, word. Yeah, it is love. And but you talk about getting to my so so. I hate to be, to be bleak about it, but mm. well. In the dark moments, could you ever envision that that was where you were going? Like, when you got when you got low, when you really got low, because you talking about that resilience. Yeah, part of the resilience just must have been how to just keep going sometimes. Yeah, well, I think I think it's me rapping, yeah. the music that always kept me going, you know, and uh, just praying to God. I'm not a religious person, but I am. I am a believer. You're spiritual. Yeah, I'm spiritual. Yeah. Right, would you ever think if I rapped about? Gangsters, guns, and mm. hoes, I could be a millionaire. <laughs> uh, no, because uh, I'm not a gangster, and I'm not a pimp. 
you know. So I only rap about like what I what what I know and what I am, and I don't mean myself out to be something that I'm not. So, and plus, there's not really much, there's not much of a market for Irish rapping. No, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the accent or whatever, you know. But uh, you don't see any of us on MTV, you know. It's more. I just love it. I'm not. I'm not. I have no illusions of grandeur. I'm becoming a millionaire or anything like that. But I do have a comfortable life. But you like getting up on stage. I love getting up on stage. Yeah. I mean, like, that was clear as day. Yeah. Like, I think like there's two types of richness. You know, there's being rich in spirit and there's being. Like, you know, material. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> we, yeah. we have a poverty-stricken Yeah, I'd uh, love the government. boat now, you know, but uh, let's just say I'm I'm, I'm rich, rich-spirited poor man. What <laughs> okay, other question I want to ask you, too, like, you two get on really well together, and you, you mm. kind of hit it off. Relationships on the street, relationships when you're homeless, yeah. Yeah, getting to know people, and I don't mean romantic, I mean all kinds of relationships. Yeah. Is that difficult? Well, my relationship on the street was with drugs. My best friend was heroin and crack. All right. So that was my relationship. So any people that I hung with, they weren't friends. They were just acquaintances because they don't want they, they don't want to be with you to you know to spend time with you or to know you. They they want something out of you. You know, and is that a change now? Like you, you two are genuine pals. Like is are genuine pals. Do you find mm. that difference now? Big difference in your life? Yeah, yeah. Well, anyone that I've met in in the like in the entertainment world, yeah, like are genuine as people. Anyway, you know. Um, but I mean that level of because you said your best friends were were the the, the narcotics for want of a yeah. Well, one, it know? is a relationship. Yeah, you have to. You have to realize that like when you're a drug addict yeah you're in a relationship with that drug you know what i mean it's like you're bitch slapped by the drug (laughs) (laughs) you know i have a song called bag of gear yeah Yeah. and it says uh i got a bag of gear down the street i thought i owned it but this shit owns me and like a rope it's really me in i'm fucked up on heroin so it's like you get that bag of gear you have it in your hand but that's not yours that shit owns you, you know? You have to go chasing that. It doesn't, like, fall on your pillow and say, here I am, Tommy, well, let's have some fun. Because I was talking to the doctor once out of the brain, yeah. saying, he had a lot of guys who was putting on methadone. Yeah. Who were heroin addicts. And he said the biggest challenge, right, if you're trying to get off heroin, isn't yeah. actually the withdrawal. What he said was, if you're looking for heroin every day, you mm. wake up and you have a mission. Yeah. Which is to get drugs. And yeah. if you don't have money, you have to get money to get the drugs. Yeah. And there's a whole focus to your day. And what he was saying, if they're getting methadone once a week, they wake up and they've, they've no purpose in their day. Yeah. And he said that was actually the huge the driving force. Yeah. Because you don't, that's taken away from you. And your whole existence yeah. is so focused on it. And I just thought that was an amazing insight that yeah. I never considered, you know? Because we all look for meaning. And yeah. in a tragic way, when you're addicted, I'm, I'm guessing the meaning is always about how do I get X? You're you looking know? for love. Right. Yeah. You're replacing the, you're replacing the want for love well, with drugs. It's, it's you know what I mean? The, the, the and it's a ritual as well. Like you know, when, when uh, you the preparation about, is half the buzz. When you talk you know? about legalization, that's part of it too. Is that you remove that whole lifestyle? Yeah. You know, if people don't have to steal or go on the hunt for drugs, yeah, you're giving them all their options. Yeah. But see, then we got to talk about like it's like I mean. 
you're looking at that. We're looking at you know what? Why did you first take drugs? The drug is just a symptom hmm. of what's going on in your head. You remove the drug, you still have to deal with what's going on in your head. You know, so if you can get to the core of that, why you start doing it? My mates were all doing it, mm. so it's more of curiosity, I suppose. Mm. And uh, it's black and white. There's no grey area. You know, you either like the drug or you hate the drug. Mm. There's no in between. Unfortunately for me, it was the former. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Actually, we've spoken to people in here who who are in recovery a long time ago, and, yeah. and when they talk about their drug use. It's like talking about a, a lover they lost. Yeah. And I know, a, I have a friend that he, he smoked heroin for the first time and he got violently sick mm. and he never touched it again. Mm. So he was on the other side of the spectrum. Um, and it is, there is, you either love it or you hate it. There's no in between. But homelessness isn't necessarily down to drug use. We, we, Absolutely we, we, not. We say this all the time that... If you weren't a drug user before you became homeless, you yeah. sure as hell be, will be yeah, a year after you become yeah, homeless. Yes. You know. And I always say as well, like, um, taking drugs, especially class A's, yeah, has consequences, right? If there was no consequences to taking these drugs, everybody would be on them. Yeah. Everyone would be doing them. You know what I mean? But there are consequences. HIV, homelessness, uh, Leg ulcers, hepatitis, uh, disease, all sorts of diseases, you know what I mean? Like from take, injecting drugs or even sniffing drugs. You saw a woman out of, uh, East Andrews. Yeah, she yeah, lost she the cartilage out of her nose from, from sniffing cocaine, you know? So it has its consequences. But, and it has, it has consequences well beyond that that go into the psychological and, 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 but, but, yeah. Luke, when you're looking at the stories of the people you're telling, like, you know, one guy talks about losing his family very young, <laughs> very young, yeah. and ne- never really recovered from that clearly, from the stories that he's told. And there's a moment where you just film him, and he just goes, he goes off for a little cry. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Martin, like, he's someone who's grew up in hair. Care, and we, you, that's a broad term. He's yeah. been in lots of bad care situations as well, by the sounds of it. Totally, like, and when you have that brutalizing childhood, and, you know, he's probably contributed to that himself. It's always a complex web of things. That's what I've discovered. I mean, there are the general problem of homelessness and the property crisis, housing crisis. To me, it's a slightly different thing to the wolf sleeping crisis in a way because so many wolf sleepers have mental health struggles. Mm. Well, that's why we need housing first, which we show yeah. your, your show. Your show works. Yeah, I think it's a Finnish yeah. idea originally. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we we had the, we had the guy who runs I it in Finland on the did, podcast. Did we, did. we did, yeah. yeah. I think really I think shows it, like this as well, like shows like this, actually um, helps people put things into perspective. It also helps. What Luke was saying earlier about getting rid of that idea of the humanization element. Yeah. Right. I, I purposely knew when you were coming to the door, Tommy Dev said, I'll give that man a hug, right? Because <laughs> I said he was, I saw you getting out of the car, smile yeah. on your face, smile on your face, and I thought yeah. to myself, because, you know, there is that element too often, mm. you know, like, I, 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 
sort of freak show. Like, yeah, you know I mean? like, yeah, like, yeah. Do you know what annoys me now? And yeah. I'm just, sorry, now I'm going on a tangent. Mm-hmm. But it's my little tangent. Yeah. People go out. Uh, everything's cashless now. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it, it causes chaos. So I, I always stack. You're looking in the kitchen. There's little one euro coins, two euro coins stacked. So I oh, stack them. And it, so when, but when I go, <laughs> when I do though, when I think you sit down on the Hapney Bridge and you, mm. have, and you sit and you hand some change and you sit down and you have a conversation. Yeah. I remember talking to a guy recently who was talking about his family from the Carrick Mines tragedy, <laughs> and he's telling me about this, and that was just just ten minutes of my day. And I just said, so that's grand. You walk out and left whatever. And he said, you need me to call because you know that fucking number, lads. You have to call the number. Oh, the get accommodation. The one eight hundred seven zero seven seven zero seven. Yeah, yeah. And he says to me, I don't want to go in. He says, yeah. and he said, and he tells you, you know, I'm X number of days without using anything. Yeah. Like going there, the temptation will be, you know, and you're mm. just thinking to yourself, well, and you just have to go. And one of the lines I think was Chris says it. You have to meet people where they are. Yeah, yeah. that comes across the yeah. entire show. Yeah, that's brilliant yeah. to hear that because when you're making something, you're not sure if you're ever actually getting it. You know, like yeah. you have an intention, but there's so many pitfalls between intention and result. You know, when you're making films, and you, it's something you, I've noticed. Even if I don't have change now, I'll say to someone, "Sorry, I don't have any change, but uh, you're doing alright." Or yeah, I've not yeah. Been. And like, I think that is worth something. And I know it sounds like a little thing, but. I don't know, little human gestures are very easy for us all to make. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like, I hate when people talk about the problems of homelessness. Yeah. And Wolf Sleepers has a problem as some sort of disease that infects the city. I'm like, just it's look like, at them and just talk to them. Just, co- like, just literally go, throw a blanket of antisocial behavior over it and let's. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in countries like India, like, uh, that homeless people are like, they're, or Brazil, like, mm. they're, they're, like literally murdered on the streets they're, they're treated like vermin you know I remember going to land in Mumbai in the middle of the night driving in for miles to be driving and there'd just be people sleeping on full paths yeah. but they all had little businesses behind them so they'd have a shack selling pots or mm. tires and they'd just sleep out the front you know, yeah uh, the difference between rich and poor in India like one side of the road would have like these three story houses yeah. And then the other side would have like shacks, like shanty towns. The divide is but staggering. Do you think that we countries. have the same, except we've spread our yeah, shanty town there. all over? Yeah. The, like if we we're, were to have there. a sh- we, we, there's enough homeless people in Ireland to have a shanty town, no doubt about oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. But I mean, they're not encouraged to congregate, and yeah. even if they, and we saw where they put up the tents on that. In the factory, no. yeah, and that was very sad. Like they, yeah, they no. were thrown out of there, and right. that was like My family used to work in that in that in that factory in when Nikki's. it was yeah. the girl the selling the one one working in there, and then the other selling the fabrics out of it. You know mm. what I mean? The girl I, is saying like this: the, "You're this is our home. You're yeah. thrown us out of our home." You know. I said it courageous. If you want to solve the housing crisis in Ireland, get everybody to head out to the M50. Onto that uh, the M1, the roundabout. You know the mm. airport roundabout? Put yeah. tents on the roundabout. Yeah. As soon as somebody steps off the plane, there's homeless people. They wouldn't be long solving it, but they don't no. allow yeah. that kind of focus. They don't want homeless people congregating. I also enough. said when Ballymun was being demolished, mm. if they had kept a couple of the towers, you know, for homeless Those people. towers were... Way they were better. dilapidated. They were they were but on they, their way out, but they, but they would have lasted a few more years. They were brilliant homes. Wait, what, they were. The they were. They were luxury bad. apartments. They were a lot bigger than the stuff they replaced them oh, with. They yeah. were a luxury apartment. Yeah. Like we've we've now got student accommodation up there, which yeah. is which is one bed. You know, like shared communal kitchens, shared this, shared that, and 
and it's and only for students. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and the only people who can afford are international mm. students for the most part. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've been in, I've been in some of the new homes up there. Yeah. And, uh, they're three story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three story houses, right? You've got your, you've got your kitchen on the first floor. You've got your sitting room on the second floor and you've got your bedrooms on the third floor. It's a mad setup. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I know. I'm, I'm very familiar with them, but I just see this new student accommodation. You were going to say on the... Don't, yeah, don't get me started with student accommodation. No, no. when I live in Dublin 7, I live in Grange Gorman. Yeah. And like, bottom of my road, top of my road, you know, all of Prussia Street is going to be built yeah. student accommodation. And you, you see all this capital and all this investment. Yeah. But like, we can't build houses. Well, these companies are building houses, but they're... It, again, it's going back to a segregated idea of what yeah. accommodation is. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, yeah. you know, you're building them for students nine seven months a year, tourists five months mm. a year. How are these being prioritized? Well, because because there's more profit. Well, there's more profit, you, you were going to say. Yeah, you, you, because if you build for students, you don't need car parking. You don't need, you know, you don't, you don't yeah. have, they've lower health and safety standards. They've low, because it's built to rent, they're least, uh, you're not a, you're, you don't have a, a lease, you're a licensee. Yeah. So you don't even have protections of, of, of the, you so, don't need storage. Yeah. You don't and mommy and daddy is probably a professor or a doctor or a lawyer or a judge or a politician. But like, mm. look, I want to go back to the, to the actual, to the show itself though, because obviously, you know what I find? It's just take me 20 seconds to say it. There's so many of the people that you had on the show that can say the things that I want to say in four, in four sentences. It takes me four minutes to say. <laughs> Well, there's editing too, in fairness, like, you know. I just think there's so many little vignettes like that, though, mm. where someone says it and they sum it up and they're going, well, the issue is, and the other thing that, that's really important is, um, there's no, because we keep seeing this in Ireland, the last while we've seen this rise of the ugly rise of the far right. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. But within the people you speak to on the show, within the homeless community, there's an understanding there that this is not, that the problem is not, um, you know, well, I'm not sure I agree. I mean, it was a running joke with the crew that since we started, we could have done a super cut of people. Really? Going, I'm not racist, but yeah. you know the that, that is yeah, always immediately yeah. before a yeah, racist. Yeah, there's always a boy, yeah. Ukrainians. And that was something we kept coming up against. And I've done a documentary a few years back called I Am Immigrants where I did some work with some people and that included some far-right people, which is an interesting project, but the far right back then, in 2016, maybe they weren't able to get much of a foothold. Mm. But I mean, I've seen, with my own eyes, protests around the corner from my house now, mm. against uh, people coming in and who are refugees. And it was really tough what, to see this on, mm. on, your, on your local streets. Mm. And it was tough for two reasons. One, because the sentiments being expressed were grotesque and hateful. Mm. Yeah. Um, but secondly, that the people who expressing them didn't feel like they were far right by conviction but they'd been lied to on Facebook by these bad actors yeah. and the, the pot had been stirred in the most cynical way by these creeps yeah. and that these poor people who had a lot of unhappiness and anger in their lives were finding a way of expressing it that was external yeah. to themselves you know and and that's what I think is the most toxic thing is the combination yeah. of social media far-right kind of puppet masters and then mm. ordinary working-class people who are fed up yeah. and who are getting all their bad energy sort of diverted in this really toxic way. You know, it's horrible. Put the show on the other foot, right? Mm. What if we were being invaded and we had to flee to another country? 
would we not do everything we can to make ourselves be more secure and safe and our kids be secure and safe? Do you know what I mean? So we did for, the, for centuries. Put ourselves, like, we, 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 we had the, our own, we, the famine, for instance, even going back to the 80s when um, Charles Hottie was telling people to tighten their belts <laughs> yeah. and everyone, was leaving, in, everyone <laughs> was leaving in droves and he's got a little island off Cork wearing 900 pound fucking shirts. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm going to change it up a bit and I'm going to ask the two, right, the important stuff. What awards is lined up for? <laughs> Where can we see is getting awards? No bad praise. Go and see the movie because that's the important thing. Let, mm. Let's face it. If you don't see it, you won't know. Well, this is a TV show, and Virgin Media TV have been really. To be fair to them, they've been amazing to deal with. Really, really good. So the show is on the Virgin Media Player episodes one and two. The season finale, as we started calling it, yeah. Yeah. episode three, which Tommy's in, yeah. is on Monday the thirteenth. And it's really good. PM. And it's going to be on... The, Tommy's only seen it today. Yeah, I literally yeah. just came from... Let me just say today. that Monday, 13th of March, 9pm. Yeah. 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 Virgin Media Player. And you'll be able to see all three of them on the player then after that. That's yeah. right. They're packaging it up as a nice box set. But I've just come from Tommy and Tommy's mother and her husband. Yeah. Oh, lovely. it together. And yeah. that is... For any filmmaker, that is a horrendous ordeal. <laughs> you know, you're shitting yourself <laughs> on all sorts of levels, you know, but they all really seem to like it. But it yeah. is worthy of awards. And, and I will say that. It's mm. certainly no, is. Is. Luke's, yeah. just, Luke's doing a victory lap at the moment. He's only coming back no, from... No, no, no. Well, I, d- I did a small film, a short movie. It was a 10-minute film called Marky's Bad Week. He was in Love, Hate as well. Oh, I yeah. know that, yeah. And uh, it was actually shown in Cineworld. Nice. On the big screen. And I and it won a couple of awards as well, so there you go. And yeah. like future for you guys, are you guys gonna cross swords again? You gonna work again? Maybe. See see what happens. Yeah, I mean yeah. ideas, genesis of ideas, anything like that. Well I'm only up the road from Luke, so Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the city centre, so Can I yeah. can I ask one thing, Luke though, about the perspective that you went into this and then you left it with? your own perspective on the from homelessness to the housing crisis you've already kind of hinted at it you see it in in, in, in a different dichotomy in a different uh, there's, there's different layers to it I suppose but how has it changed much of your own view on on it has it really it's hard to put that into a soundbite because to tell you the truth like anything else the more you understand about something the more complicated and tricky it becomes mm. and I think we haven't built the houses. That is absolutely the case. And that is a very simple thing that needs to happen. Mm. But I suppose 10 years ago, there was too many houses. You know? mm. And we were all talking about ghost estates, empty yeah. buildings. And yeah. It's funny how quickly things change and how far things lag behind. I think I a lot of them are still there, though, are they? Well, I don't know. A lot, a lot that's a good of, question, actually. A lot of the ghost estates have come on stream. Yeah. Um, most of them haven't. The ones that haven't, a lot of them were knocked down. But right. what we do have is a huge number of vacant properties. Yeah. yeah. Huge number of I actually, I actually heard that there's more vacant properties than there is homeless people. Well, there's a hundred, there's a hundred and sixty-six thousand according to the CSO, but they're oh in different God. stages of. Isn't that incredible? In a, in a country that we're saying like we're like so we it's don't horrendous. Like, but we were, and then we we want to credit ourselves with building thirty thousand last year. Yeah, which, you know, it's arguable. Yeah. 
Lorcan Sir talked about statistics of being kind of the six thousand yeah. listen off. It's like that. the wired, remember? Yeah, the yeah. When you've yeah. got, got when, you, when you've got gobshites like fucking Leo Varactor saying, Why don't they go to their mommies and ask their mommies for a loan of eighty thousand euros for to for a deposit? Go to the bank of mommy. Bank of mom and it's dad. okay go, it's okay for him to go to the bank of mom and dad, but not everyone can go to the bank of mom and dad, but you there know. There is a class divide as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's very clear. But what I suppose what, what I mean, what I'm trying to get to with with you, Luke, is the idea of that. You know, you've said this complex needs, but it sort of starts with your what what Tommy said, your own front door. Yeah. If you like, if too many of our services then say, you know, go away, stop taking your drug of choice, and then we'll talk about the other thing. What yeah. we need to do is say, well, actually, let's get you housed. And then let's start talking, working yeah. you off the head. I do yeah. think that is it, absolutely. And I saw, I've seen it myself. And I've seen it with people who found housing through yeah. housing first. But I've also seen that there's a couple in Program 1 who found housing themselves. Yeah. Perhaps, and that it was like them winning the lotto. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But to see where they've traveled to, yeah. just in terms of calmness and like, you know, Wesley would say himself he's an alcoholic, but his drinking is reduced and mm-hmm. his life's just got a lot more stable. And like, look, I, I, every day I wake up in my house mm-hmm. and it's not like a fancy house or it's a small house in Dublin 7, but I wake up going, thank you, God, for this roof over Yeah. And I just think it's really messed up that we've got to the stage where there's two types of people around. Yeah. Those with that and those without. When and in a I, funny way, Tommy, you're yeah. you're on my side of the line now. Yeah, you yeah, to a place yeah. Where when you, I where you know where I sit sleep. in my apartment, like, and I think of back to when I when I was on the streets in tents and hostels. I remember one time I was in a hostel in Fisborough, mm. and I was looking at a man, and he was like, he was in his late sixties, early seventies, I reckon, right? And I remember looking at him and saying, "I don't want to be that. I don't want to be him," you know. Will I ever get my own place? You know what I mean? And it was looking bleak. And then, like, to have to be where I am now, you know, um, I've got a great support network, like, where I am. It's supported housing. And um, I'm allowed two overnights a week. I can have visitors up to nine o'clock at night, you know? So that's my girlfriend, my partner, she lives in Austin, you know? But um, even the two nights a week, that she can stay with me, you know. It's it's like what's what's it takes a bit of the boarding off her. Can I bring that? Then my last question, Luke, was on that. Is, is that you talked about types of homelessness and the, the the street homelessness? Women are very much marginalised again within that again, even to the point where there's no female beds, not no female beds yeah. ever. There's never no female bed. If there is, there's you know there's all sorts of fears. There's 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 things issues there. Homelessness. I want to. I want to. You remember we mentioned um, housing first starting in Finland. Mm. At the time, actually, it's, this is true. At the time, Ireland had about I think it was eleven hundred people taught, taught to be homeless. This was you know just pre-crash. Finland had about fourteen hundred. They had a right-wing government who said actually this is costing us too much money. Mm. And it was a right-wing government that introduced housing first. Not a. Not, it wasn't a lefty idea. Wow. Yeah, because they said. It'll because what they found out was when we gave people their front door within eighteen to twenty four months they became net contributors into the tax state right so this was good because then we had we went from unproductive economic units to productive economic units and Ireland went the other way we we said we went from fourteen hundred to thirteen thousand that we have now 
Mm. But particularly, but they're women. incompetent gobshites. But in, but but but, but is there? Get off the fence, Tommy. What no, are you no, talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Stop, stop, stop shilly <laughs> Tommy, <laughs> we're very, very critical of the government here. But I just think within that, though, Luke, the the, 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 the female aspect of it, because now we there was no very few women committing suicide. I hate to say it in this country for years, but now because of the despair around housing, we've seen yeah. that too often, mm. and, and women seem to be even more marginalised within homelessness. Sure, I mean, look, if being homeless is particularly rough sleeping, it's incredibly dangerous, incredibly stressful, incredibly frightening. Yeah. But if you're a woman, it's four times more dangerous. Yeah. And what about that girl, that 22-year-old girl that was pregnant? Mm. Did, did she, she had her baby, mm. but she'd had a miscarriage before that. Right. You know, and that could have, you know, a homeless situation could have contributed to that. Who knows? Last question for me, Tony. I gave you a magic wand. Mm-hmm. You could do one thing for rough sleepers in the morning. Give them all a home. That's it. Well, no, I'd, I'd, I'd um, cure them of their illnesses. Which is more important, the home? Or curing of their illness? Yeah. Well, which, let's, which let's, say, let's say homelessness it is an illness. Yeah. 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 So, good point. Good point. Cure good that point. illness, yeah. Homelessness. Thanks for that. But if I had a magic wand, like, overall... Yeah. Think world peace. <laughs> We'd all go for that, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah. We would. I'd get chicken wings, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I like what I like. Yeah. Spicy or plain? Oh, spicy. Okay. Go buffalo. go buffalo or go home. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming in and sharing. Thanks for having me. You share a bit of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming in and doing this with us. Look. No problem. Thanks for having us. Nine o'clock. Must watch TV. Yeah. yeah. And I'll catch it on the player if you like me. Uh, I go to bed at nine. It's <laughs> <laughs> like an hour. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to go back to the point we made about the, before we wrap on the, um, Tommy, you made the point if we went anywhere else. And I always, I always go back to Thomas More's speech on, on, in, from Shakespeare's The, the Stranger's Case. And you know. Get him. Huh? Get him! Oh. Shakespeare, yeah. but but the but the idea is truly like the, the mob want want people gone, and and he says comes out and he says, "What happens if you are sent to France? What happens if the French said you know? Mm. What happens if you? and and everybody goes quiet? We need to we need to think of ourselves and put our feet our, our walk a mile in the stranger's shoes, and especially yeah. when you see people who are homeless, they are people. Have you ever read a book by Jonathan Swift, An Inconvenient Truth? No, oh, yeah. it's about raising babies, yeah, and feeding them till they're really fat, and then eating them. Oh God! And that was supposed to be like a cure for, for uh, you know, famine. starvation yeah. and famine. Yeah. yeah, it's called an inconvenient truth oh, well, by Jonathan Swift. Yeah, I think he wrote Gulliver's Travels. Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, we've all read. It's a modest proposal. Is it? You're thinking of oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah, a modest, modest proposal. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, modest proposal. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Go to the pub with the lads. But yeah. <laughs> so what's an inconvenient truth? That's what's Al that Gore one? Doing That's the oh, is it? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a modest proposal. And, and, uh, Al Gore eats babies. Everyone, you heard it first. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably not. Oh my god. Oh my god. Now we're now we're back on Martin's Facebook page. And on that note, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like to wrap on that, folks. Thanks so much, Luke. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. Absolute Thanks. pleasure to meet yeah. you guys, and we will talk. Folks, pleasure being here. We'll be back. Um, there's a. This is an interesting one, actually. Um, Theresa May's former housing 
advisor who used to work for Shelter UK is coming over to Dublin next uh, middle of next week and is coming in to join us in studio and here for a conversation. So so we'll, uh, we'll have that coming your way as well. So that'll be interesting. Talk to you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.